Scott here. Welcome to episode seven of Casey Greats. I think I've got a really amazing and inspiring story for you today. Natasha Kirsch is making an impact in our city by helping people up out of homelessness. Now, Natasha's created a program around a unique skill that, frankly, I had no idea was in such demand. Her program is making lasting change in people's lives by teaching them more than just a work skill, but life skills also. In a program that's only six months long, she's already helped several families overcome the challenge of getting off the streets into real employment and into a stable situation for their entire family. Now, I think after talking to Natasha, I think we have to admit that homelessness is a problem in Kansas City that is frequently invisible to a lot of us. Now, obviously, it's a problem that's more centered in the core of the city, so if you don't spend much time there, you don't really see the problem. I know that's the case with me. You know, Speaking with Natasha has really helped me understand some of the challenges that are faced by people who are trying to turn their lives around. And as you listen to this episode, I'd encourage you to consider how you can help programs like hers overcome the challenges that people face in rebuilding their lives. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Let's hear from Natasha Kirsch of The Grooming Project. Hi folks, this is Scott, back for another episode of KC Greats. Uh, really appreciate you joining us, and today I've got a great guest doing something really unique here in town for us, uh, Natasha Kirsch. Did I did I get that right? Yes. Okay, right. great. Now, did I hear somebody coming in to call you Tasha? Yes. Is that preferred, or? No, I go by Natasha, <laughs> Tasha, Tosh, and T. So. Okay, so pretty much anything I can come up with, Exactly. we're good to go. Yes. Okay, well... Uh, Natasha, if you don't mind letting letting us know, just who are you? Are you Kansas City native? Are you a transplant or what? No, I'm I'm from Iowa and uh, okay. lived in <laughs> lived in Utah for a while, then out in Alexandria, Virginia, and landed here about seven or eight years ago now, and fell in love with Kansas City. Like to hear that. Yeah. Well, that's long enough we can claim you. We'll keep you, I guess. What uh, What part of Iowa did you, did you grow up in? I, I grew up in the Quad Cities. I grew okay. up in Princeton, which is a very tiny town in the Quad Cities. So Cool. Yeah. Bounced around a little bit. And mm-hmm. what ultimately brought you to Kansas City? Just opportunity? or um, Family. Uh, I had two small children at the time, and my husband at the time traveled a lot, so... I uh, requested that we live closer to family for some help, and and he fell. He's actually from Kansas City, so okay. and and his mother-in-law was and is an amazing help, and so is my sister. So, oh, good. Yeah. Well, family's a good reason to go for sure. Yeah. Well, good. Well, uh, I'll get it wrong. So, just if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about why I got here. Uh, what what are you doing? It's very unique. So our nonprofit organization is called Empowering the Parent to Empower the Child, okay. which is it's short for EPIC. 
and or EPIC is the short form for that. And our first program is the Grooming Project. The Grooming Project. Yes. This is how I wash my children? <laughs> Close. Okay. Uh, dogs, but a lot of times dogs are children to a lot of people. <laughs> they so are they're not. actually called pet parents these days. Okay. Uh, it kind of started, um, or the idea formed in 2011 when... Um, I was working with homeless families. Uh, most of them were addicts and alcoholics, okay. and most of them had felonies. And I was trying to figure out how they could find employment, and not just any employment, employment where they could make enough money to get off of welfare. Yeah. And a lot of times, I and I learned this the hard way, that the families that I would help find jobs, if they were making 10 or 12 bucks an hour working full time, they would lose their housing and childcare and food stamp benefits. So they would actually have to quit their job just so they could get back on these support systems to take care of their family. And wow. I, yes. That doesn't... <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Uh, it kind of seems counter to the, uh, the goal there. These right. are people that are trying to work and trying to do the right thing that, uh, frankly, we all hear it, that, that some heartless folks like to claim do this, do that. They're trying to do it, right? but the system's not helping. Exactly. And there's only about six states in the country that make it pay to work. Um, and this is just how our, our public policies are set up right now. So, well, okay. So, 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 my, you so my way around this was to find a trade that was in demand, was accepting of uh, individuals with felonies, accepting okay. with low reading levels, second grade reading levels, um, and could be learned in under a year. Okay. So, <laughs> so it was around the same time that I was thinking that, that I'm trying to figure out what this job would be, that my mom would call from Iowa, and she ran a dog grooming salon. And she's always had Interesting. Pro- yes. She's always had problems finding groomers, professional really? groomers, because there's no schools. There's- I, did, <laughs> I, feel, I feel confident saying that I'm not the only one that didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you would think with all of the dog grooming salons now, though, that there would be. And, and there's a few. Most of them aren't certified, so they don't, they're not technically a school. Um, hmm. But we are. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. But So if you have a certification of a school, like a trade school or mm-hmm. something, then, then you, I'm guessing that means folks can be open for grant programs and things like that that they normally wouldn't to support either the school or them. That's hopefully the idea. Right now, we're just raising money to support everybody through the program, and we need to get our financial aid into play so that they could do that. But a lot of what we're trying to do with our program is uh, for our students to leave our doors without debt and um, charging them, even if it's student loans and they've got loans to repay, then then we're trying to avoid that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. uh, it sounds like, you know, what you've come up with, it, it's a job skills mm-hmm. program. Is that the, surely not the only focus, right? No, um, and actually it's only about 50% of what we do. Oh, so, okay. um, and I, it was actually last, our first session was um, started in January, ended in July, and we learned a lot. And one of those things that we learned was that <laughs> grooming was the easy part. That, that was, that was. I mean, the students connected with the dogs. They found it therapeutic, oh, and yeah, their self-esteem would rise through the roof when they would 
you know, come in the door with a dirty dog and then two hours later have this beautiful dog for the owner. But that was the easy part. The hard part was definitely um, working with a group of people. Most of them uh, either had been homeless at some point in their life or were homeless. And, you know, making $500 a month that they were living on um, and supporting two or three kids on top of this, lack of transportation, um, just all all kinds of uh, multiple barriers and lack of trust. And rightfully so, because many people throughout their lives have continued to tell them one thing and do another thing. Um, And we had to break through that trust. And it took a, it took months. It took months for them to be able to, to for them to realize that we really were looking out for their best interest and trying to help them in whatever job field they were in. So it's you have to be on time. You have to, yeah. um, you have to tell us if the, if you've got a doctor's appointment two days later, so that we can schedule dogs around that. Um, one of the major things was communication. Um, like I mentioned. Uh, Four of our students were ex-felons, and um, I don't know. It was just uh, communication. Sometimes they would yell at each other when it could be handled a different way, or there was definitely times where um, I thought things were getting physical and yeah. and they didn't need to be. So it was just a lot of how do we control that that anger and and work through everyday problems and high stress um, in a professional manner. Well, and it, I guess it would be it would be easy to cast a lot of blame on things in, in a situation like that. But on the other hand, I would think there has to be a realization that, like it or not, our systems this is what the, this is what they've been taught mm-hmm. in either the systems that we've created or just the world that they've lived in. You know, you're teaching a whole new way to interact with their world. Exactly, and and this is reflected then back with their own families because most of the students that come into our program have come from families where they were either abused or mistreated or, I mean, I, I had a couple of girls that, you know, one was in 26 different foster homes and one mm. was homeless and she was 13. And when you're essentially raising yourself from the time that you're 12, 13 years old or sometimes sooner, um, you don't have somebody modeling the correct no, behavior. There's no, there's no example to Exactly. Follow. And so we're trying to, all of our students get a coach um, that can help kind of model what that should look like. And then our hope is that once our students learn it in our program, then they take that back home with their kids and they model that for their kids. And so that they've got a basis to start on. So hence the, the original name of the program you mentioned, Empowering yes. the Parent, Empowering the Child. So. Right. You know, making a, a legacy impact, not just, hey, we're, we're training somebody for a job. Exactly. But so more than that. We are a, it's a two-generational approach. We believe to break the cycle of poverty that you have to first stabilize the parent so that they can do their most important job of all, raising their child out of poverty. Um, but to do that, mom's got to be home at night or she's got to be home on the weekend, not working second shift at a gas station and seven-year-old Johnny is raising two-year-old Isabella. You know, right. it just doesn't work. So um, our, our students go through parenting classes and they go through financial literacy classes. It's one thing to make money, but you got to learn how to keep the money that you make, right. uh, even if it's saving $2 a week. So, uh, so that's a lot of what, what we focus on. Interesting. So uh, just curious, is this something that you just 
kind of came up with on your own, or were you working with an organization that offered resources to come up with it, or how did it really form into um, this program? It was when I was working with, with homeless families. I um, became very good friends with uh, three of my clients, and they all three had felonies on their records and were single parents, and I saw how much they struggled, yet they had, like, the best attitudes, and they were so smart, but their self-esteem was way too low. Um, nobody really stood up for them or um, even acknowledged, you know, that, that they had a brain in their head, and I think that they just kind of gave up because of all the rejection that they constantly received by just trying to go out and get jobs. So it was working with them that really inspired me to do this. And I really feel like um, the, the biggest stumbling block for a lot of homeless families um, with mental illness and that kind of sure. thing is just low self-esteem. Hmm. Well, you've obviously experienced what their their challenges are firsthand that I think a lot of us don't see driving by just on the street. That's interesting. So is uh, Epic just an entity of its own? Is it coordinated with other organizations here in town? Or Epic is. It's a standalone 501c3, but um, we are um, incredibly dependent on our partners okay. um, and other organizations. So um, Operation Breakthrough is where we get a lot of our students. Operation Breakthrough is one of the largest child care centers um, in Kansas City for uh, families living in poverty. And they're amazing. They're a Head Start program. So they're really giving the services to the kids so that mom or dad can attend our program and not have to worry about their kids. So there's a safe place for the family to be while they're participating in the program. Exactly. And then we also partner with housing organizations. So City Union Mission uh, Great people. Yes, they really are. And Community Link, uh, Rosebrooks, a lot of these different um, housing agencies. Because when we first, when I first came up with the idea, I really felt like it needed to be housing, child care, and job training all at the same time. I think that um, our political system and uh, public, all of our welfare has a lot of great organizations but they don't always work together. And when they don't work together, I feel like we're kind of missing the boat. You know, it's, it's, we're not going to make big change if we don't all collaborate. Does it feel like there are probably a lot of misappropriated resources when oh, yes. one, one silo of social organization is trying to teach one thing and another silo of a different organization is almost counteracting it? Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I even think about the... <laughs> The little things, like, well, it's not little, but like with our food pantries and, and, and big food organization, yes, people need food to survive, but let's give them food to, to, to survive while we train them in a job so that yeah. they're not constantly trying to just sure. yeah, spin their wheels. Well, and there's, there's missing pieces, too. Mm -hmm. as, as your organization has identified, uh, several weeks ago I talked to a friend who runs a, a charity called Giving the Basics when oh, yes. she realized... And her, the, the origin story of, of how it happened is amazing to me. And just listening to her tell me about a friend called me who hit a rough patch mm -hmm. and wanted help to buy feminine needs and toilet paper for her girls mm -hmm. because the assistance programs don't provide it. No. Uh, they get people fed. Right. And it kind of stops. 
So it's when you bring up the, the idea of coordinating these resources, it's really interesting, and it's not something I'd really heard before, but I guess when you think about it, yeah, there's, there's food pantries or there's a shelter, but it's hard to have those services talk to each other. Exactly, and I think that we're doing um, a better job as, as, I mean, I think more and more organizations are realizing that, hey, let's stop fighting over funding and let's actually, you know, get this together so we can serve the population and worry about funding secondly. But it's it's a real thing. I mean, I think that they've got to worry about do we, and we ran into this too. We were the, the new nonprofit on the scene and people thought that we were just going to go steal their money. Um, but at the end of the day, we're, sa- we're serving the same population. You know, our job training program is going to help your success numbers, you know, when, when they leave your program. So if we could just all work together. How do we change that? You know, I really think a lot of it has to do with donors. Um, I have had a few donors that were significant donors for other nonprofits that would not collaborate with us. But when the donor steps in and asks them to collaborate, they almost have to. Yeah, well, purse strings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the nice thing yeah. is, um, I think then, you know, that happened, but then they start to see, oh no, this is benefiting everybody. You know, not just the families we're serving, but both organizations. It's funny, it almost paints a picture of organizations acting like the attitude of people they serve. When you mentioned uh-huh. not having trust and keeping things at arm's length, it's it's almost like they're, That's, yeah, they're I've doing never that heard with it like other that. organizations. Like we've we've got our resources staked out. We don't want to get burnt mm-hmm. and lose some of this, so just back off. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I I think you hit the nail on the head. That's interesting. Wow. So you mentioned that this week you've just started your second class. Yes. Right. And the first one finished in July last yes. month. Uh-huh. What what success stories have you seen out of that class? Are they are they doing okay? Yeah. Is it still a lot to learn or what? Oh, we still have a lot to learn. The <laughs> the students are uh, okay. So for example, I have um, Danielle started the program. She was homeless. Her daughter was in second grade, but wasn't in school because she couldn't get her there. Um, they were living on the streets. Um, we checked her into City Union Mission. Um, they were great at helping us get her in the door because it's it is they're booked. It's really hard to yeah, get. Yeah, the family get. center's always full. Yes, um, but they bent some strings for us. Um, got her in, and then she used her tax return after she talked to one of our volunteers that was helping her with her budgeting. Used her tax return to put a down payment um, or uh, for rent on a house. So that and she paid six months worth, so that she could finish our program without having to worry about paying rent. Wonderful. And we gave her, um, we gave all the students a stipend of one hundred and sixty dollars a week, so she was able to live off of that. Good. For food, um, and now she's working at PetSmart. She's one of our best groomers. No way. Yeah, she, um, she's just amazing. I mean, her daughter's in school now. She's thriving. And, and that's just one. And there's, you know, I have another student that was homeless since she was 13. She's 29 now with three kids. Never had a job before. Um, writing her resume was interesting. Uh, but now she's, she's got a job in Parkville as a groomer. She loves it. Okay. Yeah. They, they're all employed. We, um, How many people went through the first class? So we started with seven and graduated six. 
one didn't make it. It's a fantastic rate. Yeah, it, it really is, considering all of the obstacles that they're jumping yeah, through every these day. Are, these are big challenges. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure these type of training programs really have to fight to keep folks sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So we're very, we were very impressed with our, I mean, these women are the strongest women I've ever met in my life. I could not, I could not do what they do. Uh, but no, they've all, they've all got jobs and we have partnerships now with Petco and PetSmart. Um, PetSmart is looking for 17 groomers right now, just in the Kansas City area. And their average pay is 35000 to 70000 a year. And Petco um, needs 22 groomers right now in the Kansas City area. And um, they're, they start at a minimum of $15 an hour, and then that goes up to about $30 an hour. So... I'm a little bit, this is tough on an audio uh, because I'm a little bit speechless. You're talking 50 jobs, essentially, yeah. in our area. Just with the big giants. I mean, that's how right. you're counting, 250, Just with yeah. what people would call the big box yeah. stores mm-hmm. that probably have benefits, uh-huh. clean, nice working conditions. 401k, health. And this is something that not only have these individuals not experienced, but a lot of people are fighting to get anyway. Yeah. No, it's, and like I said, four of them have felonies. Not a problem. Which, you know, hey, yeah. stuff happens. You know, it, it, mistakes are made, but you can but get over it. most employers won't employ you. I mean, they've been right. turned around from, from job after job, and a lot of people sell drugs because they have to put food on the table for their kids. And so if we don't employ them, they're going to do what they have to do to, to survive. Well, kudos to their organizations then. Yes. Uh, because that, yeah, corporately, I'm sure at some department level it's seen as a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, kudos to them for for doing that because that's a huge step. Yeah, huge I've, step. I've been very impressed with both Petco and PetSmart. That's neat. Mm-hmm. Well, good, good places to support them. Yes. I, I had no idea. Yes. So, wow. Uh, so, six graduated in July mm-hmm. and all employed, you said. Yes. What a party. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> what, a, what a celebration. And now, this week, how many students did you start with? We started with eight. Eight, okay. Yes. So, um, and it's kind of bittersweet because I missed the last class um, a lot. The heart of a teacher. And well... <laughs> Um, and, but the, the new class, I mean, they, they seem amazing. It's day two. Um, I'm really impressed with what, what we have so far. And, but again, it's the same. We've got, you know, even more of them living in shelters. And, mm-hmm. um, so it's hard to know, to know all of their struggles. Well, I, I'm sure just week one, two, yeah. they're opening, still opening up and, and learning who you guys are. Yes. Um, now, when, when I came in, there were a couple folks there, uh, mm-hmm. instructors. Yes. Um, how many folks do you have on your team that are helping teach, and how did they come to you? So I've got uh, two grooming instructors, uh, and they actually both found us through Facebook. Really? <laughs> and my lead instructor, um, she actually was homeless uh, a while back, and she's a single mom, and somebody taught her how to groom. And now she she lives on a farm, and she's got a farmhouse and horses, and... Um, she's doing very well. This was her. Yeah. This was her life. So, so this is, she pulled herself out. Yeah. And so I think that she, um, feels really blessed that she gets to, to help other people. 
That's amazing. That, yeah. That she would just, it's very serendipitous. She would just find you that Yeah, way. she did. What so that was, yeah, that was very cool. Um, and then it's just me on the, um, on the soft skills side. Um, but I say just me, but it's not just me. That's, that's me with 30 volunteers, key volunteers that, um, we've got volunteers that come in and, and teach every Friday, uh, for about three hours. And that's, all of our, our parenting classes and, and, and job readiness classes. And they've written a lot of that. Um, so, and they've written it specifically for the people in our program and we try and tweak everything so it's very individual for that person. Nice. That's a lot of work. It <laughs> Creating is a lot an of entire work. <laughs> curriculum basically as on the fly. Uh, well, I, you know, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to, um, to uh, have a one-size-fits-all classroom for, for the students um, because I think with our welfare system, they're kind of forced to go to a lot of those classes as it is. And unless, unless we can really reach them inside, yeah. we're not going to make a difference. So That's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, now, will some of the students from the first class, have they already expressed a desire to come and and, and talk to the folks to give them encouragement, things like that yes. during the program because it's, I mean, it's got to just be a, a huge turnaround and not, I guess what's blowing my mind and I'm talking too much, but it's so fast. Six months sounds like a long time, but usually you're talking about someone doing a program that, that helps with, with a hand up and you're talking a years until somebody's really established and this is, this is quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of my students, um, from the last group came in and spoke to our class yesterday and, um, it, it, it's, it is amazing to see the changes in the student from day one to the end. And she was talking about a lot of those, like when, when she first started with us, she was so shy and wouldn't speak up, um, until she would blow, you know, so she would, yeah, hold it all in until she would blow. And it was so funny because by the end of the program, she would she would raise her hand or stand up in the classroom and say, well, I have something to say about that. <laughs> and the first time I heard her do this, I just laughed out loud <laughs> because, I mean, it's just so amazing to see how far they can go in a short period of time. So she's able to stand in front of these eight ladies mm-hmm. and say... This time last year, I was exact. I was yeah. not even where you are. Mm-hmm. She said she told all of them, um, "This is going to change your life." Less than a year ago, mm-hmm. I was where you are at now, and now I'm. Yeah, now she's her, her housing is stable, and and she actually talked to the students about how she's starting to lose her food stamps now because she's making too much money, and and she's and it's fine and because that's okay. and that's okay because she's making enough money. And every individual that comes through a program and succeeds and steps up not only gives back, mm-hmm. but they open up more resources for other individuals to, to have a hand up, too. Right. And so we're actually pairing um, our former students with our new students so that they can be a grooming mentor for that student. And one of the things that um, a lot of the families that I work with lack is uh, support systems. Mm-hmm. So a community. Yeah. I mean you don't I'm guessing you don't get that on the street. Well, and especially the community that's a healthy community. Yeah. Um and so a lot of times we're plucking them out of a community that's not so healthy and um to make that a lasting change we've gotta find them a new community. Sure. Wow, that's <laughs> 
there's a lot going on with yes. you guys. You're doing a lot, and it's you're amazingly humble about it. This is a pretty big impact that you guys are making. It's really cool. Thank you. Um, so how can the average Kansas Cityan, uh, me or somebody else, uh, obviously monetary donation always helps, right? Yes, you of know, course. That's always a big thing for any charity mm-hmm. to keep running. Mm-hmm. Um how else can we help? How can people either get involved or make sure that they get the word out or whatever? So um, our website is thegroomingproject.org. Okay. Um, we need volunteers. So we use volunteers for coaches for our students. Uh, so you can be that support system for them. Uh, you could bring lunches in for the students. A lot of them, like I said, are homeless. Really? Yeah, or living in shelters. So like we had a, a volunteer from this church bring in um, lunches today for everybody because they can't afford to buy lunches. Okay. You can drop off tampons and toilet paper for them to take home with them. Um, I get there's there's just a lot of stuff. Help with the life skills programming um, as we shape that up. Uh, we're always looking for office volunteers. So okay. there's, you know, volunteering financially um, and then just telling other people about us. If you've got a dog, bring your dog in. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Can and yeah. bring the dog down for yeah, so we, a grooming? That would be great. We uh, we charge $15 for a bath brush and $28 for a full groom. It doesn't matter the size of the dog. Good, because so mine's about <laughs> as big as I am. And that's, not, that's, that's saying something. <laughs> um, but all of that money goes back into our students' pockets. So we're trying to use our grooming sales to subsidize them while they're in, in school. Okay, so during the program, essentially... They're they're not just receiving a stipend, they're earning right, and they can see, they can see the impact of I work I earn exactly. It's not I've got to wait till the end. That's that's exactly right, and that's I a huge think positive reinforcement. It is. It's it's actually been a very critical component in our program, and a lot of it is not just because of that. You know, a lot of them are really just living on this money, but. What we do is, you know, like I mentioned before, being on time yeah. is such a hard thing. And, and I've told my students time and time again, I don't care if you're the best groomer in the whole wide world. Nobody's going to know it if you're late three days in a row. So we actually deduct $5 a day if they're more than 10 minutes late. Well, and it really gets them back on track quickly. <laughs> well, and if you're, if you're working a job that's hourly and you don't clock in, that's how exactly. you get penalized, like it or not. And yep. It's that's a hard truth to learn, but you know if no one taught you that exactly in a previous situation, uh, you got to learn it somehow. Mm-hmm. I know I learned it, you know, when I was growing up, and hopefully my children are learning it. But if no one taught you that, you got yeah, learn and it that's somewhere. that's exactly what I was thinking about because you know I learned that when I was working at a grocery store at you know at sixteen and and how important timeliness was. But so. you had that opportunity. I did, and, and a lot of them don't know. Wow. So. Well, I'm a little blown away, Natasha, that, that this is something that's, that's gone so fast and, and turns things around for individuals so quick. It's really impressive. So Thank you. kudos to you and, and everything you've thrown into this because it's, it's evident that this is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, but thank so, you. I appreciate it. That's cool. Well, changing gears a little bit, something I like to ask everybody on here. Um, you said you've been here seven or eight years in Kansas City, not a native, but that's okay. <laughs> um, in that time, what have you found that you would consider to be your hidden gems in Kansas City, be it a 
a bar, a park, a restaurant, a, a service, what anything that you love that you think other people should know about? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a hidden gem. I fell in love with the Nelson uh, when I came and Loose Park. Those are those are definitely where I like to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the cave bar out in Weston. I don't even know what it's called. Oh, O'Malley's. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I really like that place. More people should know about that. They should. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I have been here, like you know, like I said, seven, eight years, and I think I just went out there a couple months ago for the first <laughs> time. So, um, you know, it's really, it's it's a lot of the parks out here that I really enjoy, you know, like Antioch Park with the kids and how you can find your spot and hide where <laughs> nobody else needs to see you. So, so, yeah, so I don't know if they're hidden, but those are my spots. That's great. Well, those are, those are great tips. It's appreciated, but... Well, what uh, is there anything we're missing about the program? What what's your your favorite thing about it that just at the end of the day, just sticks with you? You know, it's 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 really the students. It's knowing that I've worked with a, a lot of nonprofits in the past, and watching their troubles day in and day out, and not really being able to do anything about it was hard. And now I feel like I can actually do something about it. Do you feel like in the past, the way you said that, it sounds like someone frustrated that they're treating the symptoms and not giving a cure? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, we can make sure that they've got food today and that there's a a roof over their head today, but... What about tomorrow? Yeah. And it's really not giving them that dignity. Yeah. Wow. That's a... That is a a powerful note, and thank you for sharing, but uh, thank you so much for, for taking time today to talk to me about this uh, I hope we can get a ton of people bringing dogs resources whatever because this is just amazing it's it's a true impact on people's lives and you you every time I sit down with somebody for one of these one of the things that we always seem to come hit on is that the people of Kansas City are, are always a big reason why they love it here and you're only adding to that by helping the city create more great people that are going to give back and that's thank you that's wonderful thank you and thank you for having me uh, it's been a lot of fun thanks thanks well folks i know i sound like a broken record saying that this was an amazing program that she's running but i can't think of another word Natasha has brought something to us that helps people essentially get their life back on track in just six months. And that feels very, very fast to me. It's not only an oppressive accomplishment, it's a major impact in our city because as one family moves from assistance programs into self-sufficiency, we're not only freeing up resources to help others, but we gain advocates for programs like this that don't mirror the system. I believe the impact of programs like hers are really far-reaching as well as really personal, too. So I want to encourage you to help out the grooming project if you can. I know Natasha listed several needs they have. Maybe you can donate or volunteer. Or maybe this specific program isn't where you want to give back, and that's okay. If you can, though, find your place to give back to KC in some form or another. It's definitely part of our city that makes it great. So thanks for joining me again for this show of Casey Greats. If you are enjoying the shows, please share them with friends. 
Also, if you know of a story that you think everyone else should know about, let me know. You can always reach me at scott at caseygreats.com. Thanks again. This is Scott. Have a great day.